Hi, and welcome to the Canine Translators Podcast. This podcast is dog trainers talking about dog natural training and all things dog behavior. We are your hosts, Tara Sturmer and Lauren McClure, head behavior trainers at Canine Working Mind in Austin, Texas. Our goal in this podcast is to help our species understand canine communication and their behaviors. This episode is sponsored by Canine Working Mind, a dog natural training center offering one-on-one sessions, group classes, and more. Visit canineworkingmind.net for more information. That's canineworkingmind with a K. Good morning. Today is a very rainy Thursday. Uh, We are back at it. Uh, Laura is just off, fresh off of her vacation, so she's going to be a little bit more awake than I am. Yeah. So. But so you had a good episode vacation. two, season two. Episode so two, season two. It's exciting. I'm excited. You are, you know, halfway there. She's <laughs> have, getting there. I'm getting there. I haven't had enough coffee yet. <laughs> and it's been a rough week. Yeah. Today, we are talking about reactivity uh, yep. versus aggression. Yep. And she this was is a little delayed there. I think I'm a little <sighs> more awake. <laughs> and this is going to be one of the ones where we're going to have a more in-depth a subscription episode that will come out a little bit later. We're going to be talking about reactivity and aggression. And then if you would like to learn more or have more in-depth information or just, you know, you're just curious, then we will have a subscription episode that's going to come just a few days after this episode releases. Right. So the subscription episode for anybody that doesn't know, we have some more in-depth tips, tricks, and we go in detail about what we discuss in these public podcasts. Yeah. The public podcasts, we want to help as many people as we can, but we're going to be putting some training and some more in depth into our subscriptions. And, you know, something's got to pay for this. Yeah. I'm working mine sponsors us, but something's got to pay for this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I did get an email. I'm going to, a message I'm going to say from Priscilla that told me that she was more than willing to pay more than $2 for (laughs) our podcast. And I was very honored. And I can't believe that people would actually pay to hear us, but people are actually paying to hear all of this. And all of us just talking. I'm kind of stoked. So if you are interested in the subscription, go ahead and check out Spotify. We are having some technical issues with it. Yeah. So if you are having issues uh, with the subscription, shoot us an email so that way we can be in touch with you as we are in touch with Spotify. Right. Uh, And that's Laura's job today is to (laughs) get on with Spotify. So anyway, let's get into season two, season two, episode two. two. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. You can tell I don't have enough coffee in me. So I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday season Mm -hmm. and we're hoping that 2024 is going to be a much lighter year than 2023. It was a rough year. It was a lot. Uh, We're going to start off by talking about reactivity versus aggression because a lot of people come in and tell us that their dog is aggressive when in fact they're reactive. Yeah. And a lot of shelters might think a dog is aggressive when in fact they're reactive and vice versa. Sometimes you you have a a shelter or rescue that says the dog is only reactive, but then you get it out of that system and and they are yeah. uh, truly aggressive. Yeah, so how do you aggressive. tell the difference is what yeah. today is about? You know, there's a clear definition between the two. So like when we do consults, we're not just trying to figure out what, if any, reactivity or aggression a dog has. But is it reactivity or is it aggression? Because that's going to play a part into the programs that we put into play. How dangerous how, the yeah, dog could be towards the handler. Yeah. Right. Because we have to adjust that kind of stuff. If the dog is just reactive, we may be able to be more hands-on. But if the dog has true 
aggression, then I I probably won't be able to touch that dog, depending and, on the types of aggression. And I'm going to say there's, you know, uh, we always talk about that 15 second TikTok trainer that grabs these dogs that are, quote unquote, willing to rip somebody apart and he'll just take them on the first uh, sight unseen and start hanging them. So that is not a good way to intervene with a dog that has true intent or maybe it doesn't have true intent. Maybe it's defensive, right? Yeah. So when we go into a session or a consult for us, we need to know, is it reactive? Is it aggression? Because if the owner is in danger, we might actually say, hey, that dog shouldn't stay with you yeah. in the beginning stages because you might get hurt. Yeah. And then we might recommend that the dog stays with us so we can get the program underway. But we also want to get the owner involved. And if yeah. the case isn't too intense and people are in danger in their house or other dogs, um, if they're not in danger in the house, if the dog doesn't have true intent or it does have true intent, we want to make sure that we're not giving that dog any more successes. The problem with grabbing a dog's leash that has true intent to do harm and getting right down to business, quote unquote, is what somebody says, is that you put that dog in a state of fear towards the handler that was hanging them, basically. We've talked about this in season one. Learned helplessness is a very real thing until it goes in the hands back to the owner. If the dog is put under so much stress that they shut down, well, okay, well, the person that's handling the dog isn't going to get bit, but the other person that goes back to the dog is going to get bit. And when that dog finally explodes, it's going to be ugly. So we don't want, with aggression, it's very important that you don't push the dog to a limit where they get so high over threshold that they want to bite or explode later. Yes, it looks amazing when you watch TV or or you watch TikTok and you see that these dogs are completely changed. But it's not for real, y'all. Yeah. It's it's smoke and mirrors. That's basically what it is. It is going to have the same problems. And when it does erupt, it's going to explode. So we want to make sure that we're covering base. All the things. Because the more information we can gather, then the better we can help that dog and help the owners. And keep everybody safe. Yeah. If a dog has a bite history and then it keeps biting or it has a bite history and it gets put into, quote unquote, submission... And then when it finally explodes because it thinks it can, there's no going back. There's no going back. And then we hear the quote unquote, well, that was my last my last try with this dog. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And if you push a dog to a limit where they will explode, that's what you're going to hear. That's exactly what you're going to get. The big difference here is that with reactivity, reactivity is just an overreaction. So if you are overreacting to something like, let's say we use um, driving a lot um, (laughs) because both Tara and I have some. For all of our law enforcement, don't look for our cars. Yes. That overreaction would be, you know, someone cuts you off and you yell at them, you scream at them. Maybe you have sign language that you use. (laughs) Actually, I just saw a funny note just for fun for the first season, second season. We just saw a light up hand that can flash. You have the controls at the car mm-hmm. can flash a hang loose uh, right on or a middle finger in oh. the back window. And I was thinking, good Lord, in San Antonio, you'll get shot. It's <laughs> funny. That reactivity is exactly that, that like, I'm going to yell, I'm upset, I'm kind of overreacting. And so those dogs are the dogs you might see they're barking Um, They might be growling. You might have some lunging, not super over the top where they're taking you off your feet, but, you know, they're just 
kind of overreacting to whatever stimulus. Right. And, and it's a very emotional state, kind of like when you're in your car and you get cut off. Right. You get very emotional. And it's just kind of how certain people can handle that kind of stress. It's the same thing with the dog. It's how they're handling that. And it's not actually that dog having aggression. Right. They you are, might even see tornado dog. Now, we talk about tornado yeah. dog a lot. On the reactive side, you might get a dog. Now, what we always say is aggression is the readiness to attack. It's the true intent to do harm, basically, is what aggression is. Aggression is going to always go forward, Yeah. right? Now, it might go backwards. If you're really pushing that dog, it's going to sweep its head from side to side and snap at the air because it wants to protect itself. But if it's an offensive aggression, they're going to go forward, yeah. right? So you do have both defensive and offensive aggressions. Now, when you have a dog, that is reactive and they get into the tornado dog state of mind, they're not moving forward. Y'all, they stay forward and just going in circles. They go in circles on a leash. And I'm sure everybody who's listening to this has has seen seen it or has experienced it. The dog is just a big old tornado. They're running back and forth. They're, they're spinning in the air. They may be jumping on the owner, but they're not launching towards the problem. Yeah, because they're just, they're not handling the stimulus very right. well. So they're, they're kind of me on a morning when I'm running late, I'm going to just say today. Yeah. Um, and I spilled an entire bowl of dog food. So um, the words that came out of my mouth probably shouldn't have, yeah, but that's what happened. <laughs> yes, I got overreactive about a spilled bowl of dog food this yeah. morning. How many of y'all have done that? Yeah. That's a reactive. There yeah. was no intent to do harm. Obviously, what am I going to do to dog food? But there's no intent to do harm. You're just overreacting to the environment and the stimulus and the action that happened. But when you have a dog that has the aggression, then they're ready to go and confront whatever that stimulus is. They have the intent to do harm to whatever it is. So kind of going back to the road rage situation, I'm sure everybody has seen some videos with people having very intense road rage. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, San Antonio, Texas is. I saw this the worst. video that this lady took a golf club out of her car, went to the car behind her, and just started smashing the crap out of the front windshield, everything. Oh, yeah. I'm literally watching this like, what is wrong with this person? Yeah. Like, because I'm a reactive driver. And she is obviously an aggressive driver. She had true intent to do harm when she got upset. She did not handle that emotional state well and went to inflict harm and attack. Um, And I'm sure everybody has seen some videos like that where, you know, you have that true road rage. There's a lot of videos now. uh, Social media has brought it out. How violent. Some of those I'm literally watching like these people need help. Yeah, Um, (laughs) because I I mean, I'm just a reactive driver. So it's you know, it's the same thing with dogs, though. You have the reactive dog. That's just I'm not handling this very well and I'm overreacting to it. But I'm not I don't have intent. I just I have a lot to say. Laura always has a lot to say. (laughs) But then you have the aggressive dog that is actually wanting to go and inflict harm. That's the difference between the two, y'all. So you got somebody who's going to scream and cuss in the car, or you got somebody who's going to get out of the car and beat the hell out of another car. Yeah, or the person or whatever. And the dog is going to be the same way. I'm going to bark and put on this giant display, or I actually want to get my teeth on them. And that's something that we talk about with owners a lot is, is the dog just putting on a show? Are they just having this big display, which is more of a reactivity situation? Or do they actually want to go in it and do damage? 
to the thing that's in front of them. And a lot of the times we do have people that think their dog is aggressive. They're just putting on a very nice show. Like if they were actually confronted with the thing, they don't have that same respect. They don't try to attack. Right. Think about the dogs for our listeners. Think about the dogs who will run towards somebody, bark, 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 and then back up. They're never going to approach it. Yeah. They're going to just put on its greatest and its show, greatest show as much as possible. Yes. And they have that with dogs. Like dogs will react like crazy. But then once they get up to the dog, it's a hey, wiggle, sniff, and then we can go. Because right. there's no actual intent to do harm to that dog. They're just overreacting or putting on a, a big show. The overreactive could be because they're over social and they don't know how to greet properly. That's yeah. something that we see as well. That's uh, for us heartbreaking because we see a dog that goes, hey, that dog got up in my face and I corrected it. Now my owner thinks I'm an evil dog. There's differences, right? Because we do see a lot of the, you know, the dogs that are fine with people or dogs when they're off leash, but not when they're on leash. We have a lot of the on leash situations of like, why does my dog only react on the leash? Right. So and, you know, just think of the reaction. If you drop that leash, would your dog go and harm that dog? Or is your dog going in circles next to you, not pulling, not lunging, teeth bared, not trying to eat the other dog? Is it just reacting? Because I've had a a couple clients that said that they have dropped the leash or they fell down and their dog literally stops and is like, what are you doing? Get back up. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, you're not holding the leash. I'm not going to go over there unless you're actually like up and 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 I can show you. Yes. Um, So you will see that a lot. I love those dogs because they are literally like, uh, if I could hand you the leash back, I would. Yeah, like, what are you doing? Because I had a show to finish. Yeah. Yes. And that's the the reactive dogs. If it was an aggressive dog, the moment you fall down or you drop that leash, like, they're off and they're going to go and, and they're going to attack. That's true intent. Like the people that come to your house, if you have a dog that has territorial. You know, we'll go into more depth into these as we go along this season. But if you have a dog that has territorial reactivity, the dog is going to bark and bark and bark, and but never get in the doorway. They're going to stay outside the doorway and just bark. They're yeah. not going to approach that human. They yeah. just want to put that show on. on. They on need nice an Oscar show. for it. Yeah. But then you have the dog that has the true aggression. They are going to go forward. Yeah. You can't do anything to keep them back from the door. Yeah. And sometimes you have to put them up or put them on a leash to keep somebody safe, whether it's in a crate or in a yard. Um, but you'll see the dog will not stop going forward. A reactive dog, when it comes to your house, is going to back up. And I, I can't say that we have any specific types of reactivity or aggression that I see more of a reactive state than a, an aggressive state. I mean, there's 16 different types. Right. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that there is one like the territorial that we see more reactivity than aggression or vice versa. It's literally just mixed together. Yeah. It's per dog. There's no way for us to be able to say that this we see more protective aggressive dogs than anything no, else. No, it's really, it's, it depends on the communication from yeah. an owner and it really depends on the, the experiences, the traumas. There's a lot of things that goes into it as well, which is something that we'll go more in depth in of, you know, how that how it kind of develops, because you can have a reactive dog that does become aggressive. And that's all just based on success. success. And if you think about it, let's say you have that dog on the leash and they start just, you know, growling. And that's what it starts with. And they're growling at this other person that's walking their dog. And, you know, your neighbor is going to continue walking their dog. So then your dog's going like, oh, well, 
Like I growled and I did that, and they left. Right, and then so. you might get that same neighbor that stops and says, "Hi, your dog is the growling. growling isn't enough." So now I'm going to bark. And then it just kind of escalates. We have a lot of people that say that their dogs hate UPS, FedEx, the mailman. Yeah, those delivery people always get a bad rap from the canines because right. they look like they're running from right. them. <laughs> yeah, because right. they are. They because are. they have a lot to do. to do, especially, you know, in this season. Uh, <laughs> anytime from like November to pretty much the end of January, like a lot of dogs are getting a lot of success because they come up and that person runs up to the door, they bark or they hit that door with their feet and, and guess remember what? Those the people success. leave. Yeah, and the success would be that one time that your dog growls and then your UPS driver, your mail the person stimulus, whatever has something to sign. Yeah. And now they didn't leave when your dog growls. Yeah. So now your dog escalates to a bark. Maybe they have more packages. So right. they came and brought like one or two and the dog growled and they left. But then they came back. Well, okay, the growling wasn't enough. Now I need to do a little bit right. more. Right. But so each time it happens, that's success. They're confident. It's like the high school kid that wins his first fight. They want yeah. to take on Mike Tyson. Although he's old now. So, you know, I'm old. <laughs> I don't know who the <laughs> new up and coming fighter is. But, I have no idea. Uh, that's not something I follow at all. Uh, but you can have a dog that was just reactive and they're able to gain this success and it can lead to them having more confidence and then bleeding into, now I have some true intent um, and when becoming they, aggressive. When they do have true intent and they start to bite, there are different bite levels. In our subscription episode of this, we go into in depth about the bite levels, but we don't have time on this public one. There are different levels. And I'm going to say that there are a bunch of different charts out there nowadays. When I started saying, hey, this is a bite level, whatever, these are my levels. These are canine working mind bite levels. These are not what you're going to find out in the street or in books. So they're going to be a little different. Laura is adamant <laughs> we're going to get them out in a book, but they're a little different, okay? So bite levels from what we're saying, this is from our experience, okay? Mm -hmm. So I want to be very clear. So when somebody listens and says, well, your bite levels are conflicting with Ian Dunbar's bite scale and conflicting with so-and-so's bite scale. Yeah. I mean, we all have a different level and scale of what our experiences are yeah. and how we see different bites and the experience of what types of aggression give those bites and the personalities of those dogs. So there are different bite levels and different areas on a yeah. human body with human dog and dogs where they bite, bite, where they mean more damage. And that's why when, again, when people come for a consult and they say that their dog has either had a successful bite or even just attempted, if they've snapped at someone or at another dog, or if the dog has gotten into a scuffle with another dog, even if it didn't break skin, my question is always going to be where, where were they going for? Again, I'm going to just reiterate for anybody who's listening, because a lot of our listeners are trainers. So I'm going to say this is not Ian Dunbar's bite scale. Okay, so when you do listen to our subscription episode, you'll hear the different levels and what they mean and the different areas, but they do specifically have areas. A lot of times people think, well, I got my hand in the way and the dog bit me. That is false. Dogs is know false. what they're doing. I'm going to say there are many, 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 many people who have reached in, which they should not but have reached in and pulled two dogs apart and never gotten bit. There are people out there that can break up a fight by grabbing a dog's head or neck or mouth and not get bit. And then there are people that who suffer the that. consequences, yeah. which and is why we say don't 
grab two dogs from the neck or the head to separate them. Because you never know. Right. If the dog has an overtly confident personality, they're going to bite you to correct you and get you off of them. If they have a weak personality, they're going to bite you to get you off of them because now you're restraining them from the true attacker. But there are dogs that do not bite when that happens. And that's because a dog always knows where they're biting. Well, and then I guess that kind of brings into like some people say certain breeds will always bite oh, a specific Lord. way. Yep, here like we go. the moment they use their mouth, they're going to immediately like lock their jaw mm-hmm. and, and all of that. We should do another myth and you should just keep writing these down. See, you do this to me and then I say, I got to do another podcast. We did cover myths in season one, but I yeah. don't think we covered the the snake The lock jaw situation or like okay. the unhinging of the jaw. I don't really know because okay. again, I don't pay attention to that right. stuff. So here's the thing. Every dog will bite in the same way depending on what the level of aggression what the environment, there's so many different variables. It doesn't matter about the breed. Right. So uh, you can just, have a Chihuahua give you a hella bite and, and have a, a Great Dane hardly do anything. Great Danes usually do hardly anything. And I'm oh. going to say they're just kind of couch potatoes. I love my Great Danes. <laughs> but those are, are some big mouths. But like when a they lot are of, dangerous. Right. They are. You, know, you can have a Mastiff yeah. that is hella intense. You know, you can also have one that does less damage than a dachshund. Right, because they have more control of what they're doing. They have less intent to do more damage. And that's what basically what bite levels in my world are. Does the dog have true intent to do harm? And what type of harm? Are they just correcting somebody for being stupid? You know, people can be stupid. We see it every day. I walk a dog into, I just saw it actually yesterday. So I'm going to bring it up. Uh Uh-oh. Yes. God pisses me off. So I took Vincenzo because I had a bad day yesterday. I had to say goodbye to one of my pack members. And I took Vincenzo because I needed a little bit of one-on-one time with the big melted chocolate cookie because he's my comfort dog. And when I went, I went to a restaurant. I sat down in the back corner. I had his vest on that said, don't touch, don't pet. He's working because I didn't want to be bothered one, right? And this big motorcycle dude came over because he is a roddy. And he didn't even give me the time of day, didn't even look at the harnesses, walked right over and grabbed Vincenzo before I could say a damn word. (laughs) And I mean, bear hugged him. Yeah. Thank God it was Vincenzo. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if Vincenzo would have bit his face. It would have been Vincenzo's fault. Also, here's the thing. Forget about whose fault it was. It's obviously stupid. Well, I know it's the human's fault, but, you know, that's never how it goes. Society views it as the dog's fault. But if he bit him in the face, it would have been a correction. Now, we would have seen that as he had intent to do harm. But if somebody wraps their arms around my dog's neck and they bite him in the face, it's because they're correcting him like a puppy would. Yeah. Like they would a puppy. Well, and it's also kind of, you know, like if somebody comes up and if they would have bear hugged you, I mean, where would you probably punch them in the face? um, Um, And I'm just going to say, you would need to get bail money if somebody did that to me. But (laughs) yeah. But I mean, I, I had the same thing where we had Charlie at the vet. He was in the back of my car. He was laying down, just relaxing because we were there because of his broken leg. And so he was just chilling. I was sitting on the other side of the sidewalk because my wife was sitting in the in the car and she was on the phone. And this kid asked his mom if if he could pet Charlie, who was in in the back of the car, not paying a lick of attention to anything because that's the way Charlie was. And mom said no. 
and took him into the vet hospital. Well, not a few minutes later, this kid comes comes out and is like messing around in the front yard area of the vet hospital and then literally runs over, grabs Charlie's face and then runs away. And like my my wife didn't even have time to be it was right. literally like a like right. what the hell was that? He tried to do it a second time and she literally had to body block this well, kid to get him I'm gonna away. I'm going to just say that. But I'm, if it had been a different like Charlie is was very similar. Right. Whatever. Thank God, it was those two dogs, right? Yeah. So, and but we see this every day. We have d- people that have harnesses and red leashes and all this stuff to tell people back the hell up. Yeah. And people are stupid. They don't. I mean, listen. he's literally laying down with his leg wrapped so, up because it's broken. Like, so please don't you, touch the dog. So when you think about the bite levels and the bite areas, you have to think what was the what situation, was the, search- the circumstances. Yeah. Right. What was the situation around it? And I am. Really, really thankful that Vincenzo didn't bite the guy in the face. Although he probably would have got away better than he did because I was in. Were no you mood. a little aggressive? <laughs> I was very <laughs> aggressive, and I was in no mood because I was already mourning my dog. But yeah. I was off the charts to yeah. the point where we actually had to get up and leave because the rest of the people were staring at us. But I was not amused at yeah. how he came up and grabbed Vincenzo. Yeah, thankfully it was. You know, non-eventful for except for my little New York Italian coming out and screaming at the guy, making him feel like a child. Yeah. I mean, that was a classic example of aggression that could have happened. And that would have been uh, you have a dangerous dog where it truly wasn't. If he got bit in the face, it would have been a correction. And it would have been worse because he's a Roddy. So, of course, he's a dangerous dog. And again, that goes back to the breed situation of like not every one of those breeds that people label as aggressive. Is that the case? Right. Healers. Yeah. Everybody and their brother is like, well, we just expect them to bite people in the heels or in the calves. Y'all bullshit. Yeah. I can tell you how many dachshunds and chihuahuas have bitten at my boots. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with hurting. It's moving you. So that kind of goes again with those uh, like big dogs. A lot of people think that, oh, because they're a big dog, they just they always try to bite me up by my shoulders or whatever. You know, again, I've seen tiny little dogs try to come up and Bite someone in the belly. No, and so I can say we had a we had a client in uh, November that had a little dog, and I went to their house, and the dog jumped on the couch to try to bite me in the face. I mean, they know what they're yes. doing, and it's the same thing with dogs. They know exactly where they're going if it's a dog, and they're they're not as stupid as people think. Of like, oh, their mouth was open, and and, and this they just, just happened, and they were just blindly biting. No, yeah. no, they have really good uh, recognition of their mouths. So this kind of goes with, again, when we are talking to clients, we have to figure all these things out because it's going to help us determine what do we need to do. So then um, <laughs> I'm going to go through some questions here just well, for fun. ask me some questions. I'm going to go through some fun questions. She's going to ask me some questions, and I'm just going to say to the <laughs> listeners, these questions may get me fired up. They may make me laugh. I'm just going to say <laughs> you might hear some sarcasm. So, I mean, because we deal with a lot of the reactivity and a lot of aggression. So then if we have someone that comes in, maybe their dog is just reactive. Have you ever had a client that has that great dog that's just displaying an overreactive, but the owners just end up being awful clients and maybe they even make their dog worse? I'm going to hope that I don't make my business worse by saying this. Yes. <laughs> Here's why. People are awful clients because one, either they're lazy and they don't want to do the work or two, they have absolutely a closed mind. And I'm going to say that because we have so many people that come in and say, my dog is 
aggressive and I don't want to hear anything about it. And I know it sounds stupid. Like, why are you coming to a training facility? But I know it sounds stupid that somebody would would be adamant and final that their dog has aggression and they don't want to hear any other words. This is aggression. It's not reactivity. But I kind of have the thought process that today's society wants to be a little bit more dramatic. Your dog might not have aggression. Your dog is probably reactive and your dog probably corrected somebody like that dumbass that hugged (laughs) Vincenzo yesterday. Uh, And I can't even say it was a hug. It was a freaking sleeper hole, basically, is what he put him in. You're going to have dumbass people that are going to come up to your dog and your dog is going to bite in defense of itself or correcting somebody. And the client's going to say, well, my dog's aggressive, so I'm never going to walk him again or I'm going to put him in a muzzle for the rest of his life. Stop. What was the situation around it? We have great dogs that people... Or just put in poor situations. Put in bad situations, but people, the clients don't actually put the work in. That I would consider an awful client. So here's the thing. You come to a trainer, you pay the training fee, you get the programs. We say, practice this this many times a day. Come and see us again. We don't see them for a year. They come back. The dog is worse and the, the owners are crying. You know, the training didn't work. I think that's a big part of our awful clients. Well, because we'll ask them, are you still practicing this? And most of the time it's a no. Right. And then they say the training. So here's the thing. If somebody comes up to me and says, your training didn't work, I'm going to say, ah, okay. How often are you practicing the programs? How long did you practice the programs? Depending on the aggressions. Yeah. Depending on the aggressions, because some types of aggressions really need a lot of life work. Some types may be easy. Yeah, can't, it, it depends. But if you didn't give any practice to your dog, then you can't expect it to go away. I don't care who the trainer is. And again, we don't have the magic fairy dust where in I wish you I know, had that fairy dust. 10, 15 minutes or like clients. five minutes of, of handling the dog and then suddenly poof. Right. And then Thanks. you have the clients that just, you know, life happens. And I'm going to say there yeah. are there is that aspect of it. You have the clients that life happens, y'all. I can say 2023 I mean, absolutely kicked Tara's ass. Sucked for me. <laughs> sucked for me. Yeah. It, it literally, I mean, it really has kicked my ass. Yeah. You know, because of what I do for a living, I do focus mainly on my dogs because of what I do for a living. And they're always there to help me feel better, regardless of the stresses that I had to go through in 23. Yeah. Even then, I'm still going to practice. And there are some times where I couldn't. I mean, it happens, and we have clients that will. And I wouldn't call them awful clients. It's Those just, wouldn't be awful clients. No, now, it the would people just, that life happens, or the people that don't understand dog. And I get that. So if you have not seen a trainer who can explain dog to you, and you're going by what you think is right, I don't hold that against my clients. I don't call you an awful client. You're human. You're yeah. not understanding the dog's communication. That's why we're but here. If you were given the canine communication, and then you went. You know what? This is good enough because my life, I have, I have to go out, and, <laughs> I have to go out and fix that boat or have to go out and I'm laughing because that was, that was one of them. <laughs> I have to go out and fix the boat. So I'm not going to do any more with the animal or I have to go and do this bar visit. I'm going to go on a date. Y'all, you took this dog in. You took I, this dog in. I'm going to go adopt another dog and maybe that'll fix the, the problem. The other dog will fix that dog. But uh, again, some people don't know that. Some people don't realize that that's not going to help. If you do. And you still do it. You're an awful client. Yeah. If you get a dog and you say, my dog is the worst dog ever, and you don't do anything to help it, 
Yes, you spend a little bit of money on a trainer, but you never follow through. Your dog is not a bad dog. Yeah. You're just not giving it the chance. It's, You're not giving it the chance to yep. make any difference. And then the reactivity will become aggression. And it escalates pretty quickly because they do gain some solid success if you're not going to follow through because they're going to go, you don't know what you're doing. Right. Everybody always thinks that trainers want you to work eight hours a day with your dog. Y'all, no. I, I hope a trainer doesn't want you to work eight hours a day with your dog because that's not real. No. There's no way you could work eight hours a day with your dog. But if you work eight minutes a day with your dog, that's Maybe. all. Yeah. Make a commitment, eight minutes a day to do some practice. Now, would we like to see you do more? Absolutely. Yeah. But even if you just spent eight minutes a day, most of the time when I talk to clients about their training, I tell them like, I don't want you to spend hours on right. end doing this stuff. I want you to break it up and do small little mini sessions. Like you have five minutes here. Great. Use those five right. minutes. How hard You have is 10 it? minutes later in the evening. Great. Use that 10 minutes. Right. I am a mom to nine dogs and I am a uh, mom to two young kids at this point. Right. So at this stage, my two young kids, they need a lot of attention. They're eight and nine, and they need a lot of attention. There is not a part of my day that I don't spend some type, and I work a lot of hours with the dogs, but still I go home and I still have to be with my kids yeah. and do stuff with my kids. It's the same thing with your dog. If you're going to take in a dog, make the commitment to spend at least eight minutes doing yeah. something with your dog. And I guess that kind of goes into one of the one of the bigger questions we get a lot, either in the consults or if people email us to ask about training is, how long will this take? How many lessons are they going to need? And they usually will ask this question before we've even met the dog. Because they don't want to put too much length and they're going to look for the trainer yeah. that's going to give them a magic wand. I want, you know, I only want this to take a few weeks or a month tops. Or, you know, I need this to be fixed in a month because I'm moving or people coming over. There, there are people that honestly they want to know because they want to know if the dog's going to be safe to move in with somebody, right? Yeah. But then you do have the people before yeah. you even get started that say, I need to know how much, and I get it if it's going to take, I get it if it's a budgetary thing, but again, I can't say until I've done the consult and, the, and been able to but even see what's going on. We've had a lot of things that change as we go. You could have a dog and we see it, you know, we see it kind of regularly. Laura and I sit down in a consult and we list out all of these training sessions that a dog has to see. And then, you know, by the fourth or fifth training session, we're like, no, that's great. We're we don't good. need the rest. We're Just finished. Let's go do yeah. some group classes. Or we don't might have working. two or three and then go, okay, we need to add some more because right. this is, you know, going on with your dog. It really depends. So length of time to fix a problem. And, and I say fix a problem because fix a problem means you're the mechanic. You have to put the work in to fix the dog, right? Not the trainer. The yeah. trainer is going to be there to help you. The trainer is going to be there to give you support, but you have to actually get that wrench and put it on the dog and fix it. Yeah. Cause it doesn't help you at all. If your dog does it for us, right? They don't right. live with us. So it's not how much it's hard for us to say how much time, because I mean, I don't live with you. I guess that's the best answer, yeah. right? If I lived with your dog, how long would it take? Well, I practice eight minutes, four to five times a day with a dog. So it's probably going to take me no time, but the dog will listen to me, not you. Now, you practice maybe once a week. I mean, some people will practice once a week. We have a client, and I know y'all have heard her on our podcast. She's amazing. Uh, Antonia practices every goddamn day. 
constantly. Every goddamn day. And we've been seeing Nick's for a couple of years now, but yep. Nick's has made some great practice and, and every and once in a while she she'll- got them introduced. Yeah. So, so she and brought in she another still, female that's Yeah, and she still intense. does sessions because she knows this is a constant thing. Right. So in Antonia's case with Nick, she was a really intense dog and the dog that she moved in with was, was another, an, intense. another intense dog. But because she puts so much work in, she was able to do that sooner, uh, un- most. Un- unbelievably quick, yeah. because Antonia put the work in. If I went by that case, I mean, it's been, I guess, six months that they've been trying to integrate two very intense, very control-aggressive females. Yeah. And they did it. I saw a picture on Facebook. In with front them. of the Christmas tree. Oh, my God. It was so cute. They were in front of the Christmas tree together, and I was just blown away and beaming with pride. But that is, for us trainers... Really awesome to see because it's so far and few between. Because a lot of times we don't put the work in. We just want it to be fixed. Yeah. So if you're a person that's saying, how long is it going to take? Because I want to know how long I'm going to actually have to work. It's going to take a lifetime. It's going to take forever. If you think that you're going to come into training and you say, how long is it going to take? Because I don't want to put work in too long. You are going to work with that dog for the rest of your life. If you're coming into the training and saying, hey... If I put the work in and I'm going to be committed and I'm going to put this all this time down um, into the dog, how long is it going to take? I'm willing to go the distance. You could probably see a difference in six to seven months, but that doesn't mean you'll be able to stop working because they're dogs, y'all. We had a case of, I think it was a a resource aggressor, and we did a lot of the sessions via Zoom. You did. And um, I did the consult and they saw you a lot for the Zoom sessions because they didn't live here in Texas, but they were consistent with you. And in three months, she was able to have her dog managed and maintained. And we still saw her. I think it was like six months later, she did a check in because something came up and then it was a, hey, let's let's do this. Let's make sure we're still practicing that. Let's tweak something here. She was able because she was so consistent yep. and and, and we focused people, on that. We have people all over the world that contact us and they do the programs via Zoom, which a lot of people, the pandemic helped that. Prior to that, we were doing Skype. Zoom yeah. is nicer. But we have people all over the world. If they put the work in, I mean, we get reviews from all from them yeah. and we get check-ins and they're like, you know, I just heard from somebody recently. They I I saw them. 13 years ago, 13 years ago. And then they got a new puppy. Why are they coming back? Because they want to start over and they want to make sure that they start it here and 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 get get them on the right foot. The difference that it made in my dog was incredible, but they put the work in. They put in the work. And that's the thing is, is some types of, of reactivity and aggression. Yeah. You might be able to get it to a point where it only takes two or three months, but that's not every dog. And that kind of goes into like, what's going on, what type of reactivity and aggression. I mean, is it just reactivity? Is it aggression? Right. And, and the success and the confidence that, level. A professional that has experience with aggression and behavior modification, there are different levels of training out there. You have mm-hmm. obedience instructors and you have um, people that are, and I'm not going to say this in a negative way, but you know, we, we have trainers out there that do fun stuff. Just like the Agility and that's, and, that's and puppy stuff. It's and, needed. And basic obedience. I mean, when I get my aggression cases out of aggression, I want them to go and do something. We have stuff. a dog named Bo that when he came to me, he was intense. He is winning ribbons on the agility field right now. Yeah. And not with us. He's with another trainer who's doing agility. And I'm good with that. Those yeah. There are trainers out there that are going to do fun stuff. That's what they, they focus on. Y'all, fantastic. But they're not going to focus on aggression. 
You have to find somebody who knows aggression. And, and can assess it appropriately and takes the time to actually assess. Right. If you have a trainer that comes to you and says, tell me what the problem is over the phone. And, uh, okay, we're going to start the program the first time I see you. Stop and think. Did they really get a history? Now, I mean a history. What type of bites were yeah. there? Like our Where consults are sleep? very in-depth. Oh, it's like a 45 minutes to an hour At consult. least 45 minutes. Most of the time my consults go an hour because it is a full like 30 to 45 minutes of me just asking questions, diving in, trying to figure out what's going on. If you have behavior or aggression problems, you have to find somebody who is going to want to know the true history, not yeah. just how bad was the bite and what was the circumstance of the bite and then nothing else. You're the one that's doing a lot of the talking because you're the one that's explaining what's going on. You're the one that lives with this dog. Right. There should be in-depth understanding of the dog's behavior, of its environment, of the variables that the dog was put in. And I think a lot of people, when they see our consult form, because it is very long and they, they will say like, this is so long. Well, yes, but I mean, if you want us to assess your dog appropriately, You should be happy it's not one page. You go to the doctor and a doctor is not going to give you medication without knowing if there's any medical history that he has to worry about. They want to know all the things. That's exactly what we're doing. We're we're making sure that nothing is going to conflict. Somebody comes in and says their dog has resource guarding and then I just treat resource guarding blindly with a a program I saw online or in a book. If that dog has frustration elicited or control, You're going to have a bigger problem. My client's going to get bit. You know, so if you go to a trainer that only has, you know, one page of dog's name, dog's age, presenting problem, what kind of toys do they like? You know, what kind of treats do they enjoy? These are fun trainers. Yeah. Those are the ones that I would say like, oh, that's a good for obedience. Because I will say like our, that is closer to our obedience one is you fill it out of that kind of stuff when we're looking for obedience stuff or fun stuff. So how do we assess? We literally sit you down. We have you fill out a psychological profile, basically, of your dog. And then we sit down in front of your dog or on Zoom so we could see your dog. And we talk through, even though you filled out all those papers, we sit down and talk through what body language we're seeing on your dog. We ask you more in-depth questions to make sure we're not missing anything. Read and we're not missing anything. That's how you properly assess and that's what tells you how many sessions you might and, see. And helps us determine it if it's a reactive situation or an aggressive situation. Right. Like, are we just overreacting here? Are we having true intent? If the dog has a bite history or snaps, it's then going more in depth about those bite levels. And then being able to kind of talk through their age and their personality right. and all that stuff. And right. it, because that goes into the reactivity or the aggression side of it. In the consult, we can also figure out if the dog has separation anxiety, right? Yeah. Is Almost it just, all dogs pull on a yeah. leash. I'm just going to say just 95%, 98% of the dogs pull out on a leash. And that's because we confuse the crap out of them and we're predictable. Yeah. We always follow. But there's no blanket program that we put no. into play for a dog that, you know, this dog has aggression. So I'm just going to throw this stuff at it. Or this dog has separation anxiety. So we're just going to throw this at it. There's so much that goes involved. in There's it. a lot more that's going into it. And, and we want owners to be involved, whether your dog is reactive or aggressive. As long as you're not in danger, we're trying to help and get you involved and educate you on your dog. I mean, you're the one that has to take them home. And you have to understand that language. 
And, you know, for us, education of the owners is the most important thing. That's why I have so many interns in my past. I want to spread the knowledge. I want people to understand what a dog's communication is going to be. And that's why we have the podcast that is translators. Right. Because Because we want people to understand. Because when you go home and you see something, I want you to be able to go, oh, I know what you're saying there. Not, oh, let me squish on you. Or, oh, that big biker dude really loves the Roddy. So it's okay if he comes and squeezes my dog's neck till his eyes pop out. Yeah. No, y'all. It's not. And I mean, it's it's definitely a lot about whether your dog has reactivity or has aggression is is trying to educate the public, trying to educate the dog owners and trying to translate between get that miscommunication out of the way and uh and be able to get them involved please get involved please get involved you know all of the mechanics if you haven't listened to our past podcasts we do have a podcast about how we frustrate dogs we also have a podcast uh i think about tools Mm -hmm. um i'm sorry it's been a long the beneath the leash um so series you know all of those um tell you how you can get actively involved with your dog you know instead of Relying, relying on, on other tools. Yeah. You know, don't rely on tools. Get actively involved. We had a client yesterday or Tuesday. I can't even remember what day it is anymore. <laughs> I need a day off. Um, <laughs> but we had a client the other day that came in. Wonderful, wonderful people. Beautiful couple. Just want to do everything they can for this dog and really great clients. I think they're going to be really great clients. You know, we were talking about why the dog mouths. And, you know, one of the things that they do is, you know, when they play tug of war with the dog. Well, it's a puppy. You're teaching it to come at you with an open mouth. What do you expect? So yeah. these are things that people don't understand. Yeah. You know, it's really important that you understand a dog's language so you can you can live peacefully. Yeah. I mean, the whole reason we get dogs, and I've said it in the past, is because we enjoy their company. They're the best companions ever. It's really important to get involved and not rely on tools and not rely on sending your dog away to get trained by somebody, you need to do it. You need to get involved and you need to learn. Don't just think there's a magic wand that's going to turn your dog's behavior around. If you think your dog has reactivity or aggression, find a professional that understands the difference between the two and help. And we'll actually do a proper assessment. And the assessment would be, you know, sitting down and consulting with you and getting so much information that you can, they should should know everything about your dog. And you know, our consultations, you should feel like you're sitting down talking to a friend about your dog, venting to your, your friend about your dog's problem. That's what you should feel like when you sit in a consultation, not, oh my God, I'm going to be judged or nothing is really wrong. And I'm going to hide this stuff because I don't want to feel like they're going to tell me I'm a bad owner. You should feel like you, you can sit down across from a friend and vent about your dog's problems with that trainer. That's what my goal is. My goal is every single person that comes into our facility should feel like they have a a confidant to sit down and make them feel better, make them understand. And it should feel like a friend, not a business, not someone that's just judging your dog or you. Um, and we're going to go back to that awful client thing because she put that in there and she asked me about the awful client. Just saying, don't rely on others to do your work for you. That's basically it. Don't rely on others and don't just think that it's going to be fixed with a wand. A very quick magic dust. Yeah. All right. So, and on that note. Now, if you're wanting to know more, um, like I said at the beginning, we're going to have the subscription episode that's going to go farther in depth. It'll go farther in depth on the bite levels. We're going to talk about 
how aggression and reactivity develop, like the different things that go into it. Because some people, you know, what happened? Is it my fault? Like all that kind of stuff. So we're going to be going into that in more in depth about all of it and kind of just deep diving. Deep diving into the reactivity versus aggression is what we're going to do on our subscription episode, Mm -hmm. which will be released in a couple of days. So if you don't subscribe, I would highly recommend you do if you are questioning whether your dog has reactivity or aggression. What causes it? What causes it and how you can help. Check that out. It'll be coming out just in a few days after this episode. A couple of days. That's what Laura says. She is the scheduler. She is the woman in control of the podcast. (laughs) Right. So we'll then we'll be talking more about this soon. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas about future podcasts, please email us at info at caninetranslators.com. That's canine translators with a K. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Remember to always try to see them, hear them, and help them. And protect first.